Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist. We are talking about trust today. I trust you'll enjoy this podcast because uh, it's all about building trust. How to build trust specifically if uh, you've had bad experiences uh, in the world of dating. There's a lot of that, a lot of that now where uh, people will, uh, you know, be very wary and cautious of uh, maybe even a whole gender. So we're going to dive into that and talk about strategies to unpack that and alleviate some of those trust issues and uh, help people trust again and uh, enjoy dating and uh, have a fun time on this uh, planet. So (laughs) we're going to talk about that. Eliza, this was your idea. This was your topic. What was the catalyst that made you want to talk about trust? Uh, I think it's just I'm I'm watching <laughs> I'm watching a reality TV show. I'll be honest, and the narrative that everyone says is like this happened to me in my relationship, and now I can't trust anyone in all my other new relationships, or I can't trust him because he cheated on me or she cheated on me, and but I'm going to stay with them and punish them for it for the last eight years. So all of those kind of things coming in. I I realize it's a very common um, issue, especially ones that happen when you had a shitty ex-partner and then you you bring that forward into your new relationship and it's really hard to let go of even years later. Oh, everyone, not everyone, but so many people our age and younger have that. It's sad. I had a lot of that when I was younger and I think a a deeper issue is that uh, after we've lost a lot of, you know, transcendent or sort of s- spiritual institutions in the West, and many people would say for good reason or at least for valid reasons, what happened is uh, romantic relationships became our one source of spirituality and of deeper meaning and transcendence and connection. And as a result, our uh, sense of self can be very fragile when tied solely into just a romantic relationship yes. and as a result it can it can be as simple as you know the first person you ever love when you're a teenager if they break your heart and you feel hard done by that can hinder your ability to trust for a very long time it's it's sad it's really sad yeah. so i think uh we can we can we can unpack strategies for individuals but i i, I do also think this is like a societal issue this is a cultural issue and we need other areas that we can find deep meaning and, you know, sort of have a sense of spirituality and transcendence so that we're not putting all this emphasis on just romantic partners and romantic relationships. Um, and we'll get into that. But speaking of spirituality, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Crush Organics. Go to crushorganics.com. That's crush with a K. Use the code Neil. You get 40% off. They've got a wide range of CBD oil products. They've also got gummies bath bombs, creams, CBD oil for your pets. So go to crushorganics.com, crush with a K, use the code Neil, and always use as directed, read the label, and you'll love it. I love it. Crushorganics.com. Uh, see me live. I'm all over the place. Not just me, me, my, uh, my friend Daniel, Max, some of uh, Australia's best comedians are featured every week or every month, depending on which city you're in. Comedyuntamed.com, Australia's wildest comedy show, Improv, 
games, special guests. We've got a DJ, so come along. <laughs> ComedyUntamed.com. Melbourne, Brisbane, Newcastle, Western Sydney, and Sydney. And lastly, if you want to send in a question or a topic for Eliza and I to answer or a shout-out, go to neilcolhatka.com slash podcasts. And all the money from that subscription will go straight to the Life You Can Save charity. All right. Building trust. Have you ever have you ever been in a time in your life, Eliza, where you didn't trust um, maybe a boyfriend or, or even a you know a, a, a whole gender or anything like that? And and have you then overcome that? What's your relationship to trust been like? Yeah, I definitely found um, that I struggled with trust in in my younger relationships. It was I was always like you know you don't. I wasn't as mature as I am now and I was very much easily um, ready to accuse someone or feel like something was off or whatever and and want to talk about that in a really immature way um, with no actual reasoning behind it. And I have a really, really big thing about uh, honesty and it's really, I get really triggered. I still do when people lie to me. It's a big thing for me. And um, I find that once I am lied to, I, on more than one occasion, um, I can't trust them. I just can't. And then once once the trust is gone, it's really hard to get it back. So in my later relationships, like my more recent ones, um, since being in kind of like my mid to late 20s, it's been much easier because I've just kind of changed my perception on it and how I approach relationships with a pre-established um, understanding that I have full and complete trust until I'm shown otherwise. Um, so I think that that's been, it's it's not only relieving for them to have that perception, but it's so much more relieving to me as well to not carry this whole like waiting for something to happen or waiting for someone to fuck up or be disloyal or be dishonest or something like that. So I think having that pre-understanding that this person I can trust with my whole heart until they show me I can't um, is has been really freeing for me. But yeah, what about you? Yeah, I've had a, a similar-ish experience. I uh, it was uh, cautious, I guess, of, uh, uh, well, just, yeah, women in general because uh, I think a lot of guys you know, are brought up on Disney fairy tales and it's always a princess and everything's a happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, humans are not like that. They're not an ideal. They're uh, messy and, uh, you know, sometimes immoral and so am I, so is everyone. And that can be a very stark, harsh realization when you start dating, when you start, uh, you know, expressing your feelings to other people. And then and then you actually go out and f- try to find evidence that just suits your narrative and you become very jaded and ironically you then act in a way that fulfills that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. if you think uh whatever it is if you think all 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 men are going to cheat and they only want one thing or all women are materialistic and are going to leave you for a richer man whatever it may be you're probably going to act in a way that makes that come true unconsciously mm. and that's something that a lot of people don't want to hear they don't like hearing that they just and 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 social media doesn't help this because uh, the algorithm just feeds you what you want to see because you're usually liking and sharing uh, content that already suits your preconceived ideas about uh, the other gender or, or or you know whatever sexuality or you know tribe or culture or whatever it may be. 
So you're just constantly spoon-fed information that solidifies mm. your perception of the world or an entire group of people, and that just mm. makes it worse. So, and, and, and you probably then also hang around other people that, uh, you know, they don't often challenge you. They're probably, it's people you feel comfortable with, so mm. they may share similar ideas and, and values. And it's a, it's a challenging and confronting thing to try and overcome. Uh, but, uh, I like to think I, I have, and, uh, you definitely can. And, uh, you know, my current girlfriend now, that's, I, I think I'd mostly sort of gotten over that, uh, that sort of childish, you know, oh, women just like whatever it is, tall men, rich men, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's probably there could have been some residue of that maybe a year or two ago, but you know, this relationship I've had now has, has been incredible and I don't think I have any, any more of that. Um, a lot of young guys seem to have that. Uh, they seem to think particularly particularly American guys, oh, women just care about money. Women just care about money. Now, or like women just only like you if you're six foot or above. Mm. Those are the two that seem to be... Yeah. Very, very yeah. common. Now, I was uh, the, the height thing. I had a lot of that. I mm. was very uh, insecure about uh, being a short king. <laughs> and <laughs> and look, to, objectively, it is true that like being shorter is going to make it harder for you to date. That is true. And I think a lot of men who are shorter probably should be validated in that and not just mm. immediately yeah. told, oh, get over it. Like, you yeah. know, shut up. You know, you, people have to deal with worse. It is objectively true that. Shorter you are, the the uh, it it will be a challenge for you dating. So that's important to to know that that is true and and to validate that. But if that the attitude you have about it is ultimately going to be the defining factor in whether or not you you know you find someone that uh, admires you and and is attracted to you and and respects you for who you are. So uh, reframing that narrative is something we've spoken about on so many podcasts. Um, that's that's I guess like a little taste of maybe the male perspective of that kind of lack of trust or, you know, mm. ideas about the opposite gender. I know there's a lot of that from um, the other side as well. So maybe if you want to touch on that, uh, have mm. you found, you know, any, any, maybe any of your friends or, or people that you're close to have attitudes about, you know, men or, or just dating in general that, yeah. that yeah, are like definitely. that? Definitely. It's, it's always that men can't be trusted. Men only want sex and men will turn their, turn their eyes or turn their heads um, if they're given the opportunity to. So I think that that's a really um, hard thing to challenge at times when you're constantly seeing that through social media. Sorry, my dog behind me is being oh, such a pest. Hang on, let me just get cool, Adrian. Abe? Ah, uh, so good. Adrian, can you get Nelly? She's being really annoying. Go learn to trust the dog. <laughs> Dog's got to learn to trust you. Thanks. Well, that's when it, if it is a rescue, like that's probably very relevant. Like it's hard for an animal that has endured trauma to trust humans again. Yeah. Well, she's she's just yeah she's she's definitely trustworthy. Um, actually, the only person she doesn't trust is the one postman that comes by with a motorbike. Um, all the other posties she loves. The one with the motorbike Ooh. she doesn't like. Yeah. Well, that's wait a minute. Well, hang on. What did something? Why just that one? That's weird. I'm pretty sure what we know from her past is that she was brought up by a male um, on like a farm 
kind of setting. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that she, before she was, he gave her away. So I'm pretty sure she had a young um, guy with like a motorbike. She has like a couple of really like specific triggers like that. Um, and being like touched, not <laughs> to sounds weird, but being touched on the bum. And we think that she used to get like a kick up the bum heaps. And so you, you know how like dogs always like they put their bum to you cause they want to be scratched above their tail and things like that. And Nellie, I would, when we got her, we would do it and she'd like, sm- like t- tap her like this on the top of her tail and she'd freak out just like running and yelping now she she presents it to me for scratches even but even when like other people are doing it she allows it but she looks really like awkward the whole time so we're getting there but yeah she trusts us she's just being a little pest doing chasing her tail behind me <laughs> it's so distracting she's um it's her, cute though it's her dinner time and she will annoy me consistently until i feed her she's What's like her? a cat <laughs> What's a pet for if they're not going to annoy you when they're hungry? I know. I know. She acts like she hasn't been fed in days. But... Well, you know, I'm sure when you give birth, that's <laughs> is going to be a, like at least 16 years of that from your I son. Know. So get used to yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a true point, actually. <laughs> yeah, fun times. Um, but yeah, so I think that, you know, even spending a lot of time on social media on like TikTok, it's really interesting to see how many women talk about, you know, there's a lot of women that talk about these are the values you should uphold in your relationships. And then I see um, on the flip side, a girl will, I've seen posts of girls very frequently will post their their, uh, partner's like for you page or their Instagram explore page or their web history, which is full of basically bikini girls pornographic images or just porn and then they make videos scrolling through it being like I've never felt so low about myself and then half of the girls in the comments are like girl if that makes you uncomfortable leave him and find a man that doesn't do that or find a man that isn't like that and then the other half is like this is all men we will never get treated with the respect we want like that kind of thing so it's it's definitely on both sides I I do agree that women hold you know have these or men have that understanding that women can be wanting someone successful and or tall and you're probably right um and just as you know in some ways I never want to think oh men are disloyal but in some ways that's right too I mean statistically it's pretty even which is the interesting part um but yeah nowadays yeah, yeah the cheating rate is yeah. actually for millennials uh in America so I assume it's yeah similar in Australia uh it's 50 50 so that's yeah the interesting part isn't it I know it's um and I do like to tell people that um but my light's doing that funky thing again sorry it's hopefully it chills out um but yeah so i think it's it's um definitely like you said as well a a big part of that is your perspective on it and like for you um saying you know you kind of had to like decide how much care you want to put into about whether women think you're sure or not and you know i actually had this conversation with um adrian the other day because he's short um as well and he's like literally almost the same height as me like he's short and he doesn't um, look that in the photos you've posted he doesn't doesn't look that maybe short. he's like this much taller than me like an inch and a half yeah. or something um but he's quite short and and um i said it to him the other day like not like you're short but you know 
talking about basketball players being really tall and whatever and because he's obsessed with basketball right now and I mentioned somehow that he's short and he's like I'm not short and he just doesn't believe he's short um (laughs) so that's it's never it's never been something that's ever impacted his life because he doesn't believe he's short (laughs) so I was like okay Cool. Yes, you're not. Okay. Well, then. from the photos I was saying, I don't think he is, knowing how tall you are. But yeah, I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know what the average height is. Um, I want to look it up. Actually, let me do a quick Google in Australia. You hear different things because when you actually look it up, it's it's very. It's like five nine or something, which seems hard to believe for men. That's Having what said Adrian that, I, is. I, I think. Okay. I think yeah. yeah. That's that's Maybe average. Five, I mean, eight, it's five nine. So is my brother. Yeah, it is. It's the average. Five foot nine in Australia, one hundred and seventy six centimeters. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for younger guys, it would be. I'm guessing it would be taller because a lot of older men kind of shrink. Yeah, <laughs> so they're putting that into the average. True. But yeah, it's not. Uh, if you're five nine, I mean. But it's look, it's the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Like I know yeah. guys that are six foot and buy those shoes with the with platforms, they want to be even taller. Yeah. So it's it's all very relative. Um and again, I, I just can't help but feel this is so much of this is self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I was very insecure about my height and I sort of opened up to a partner about that and but then I acted in a way that probably brought more attention to that. You know, I'd wear shoes that are just so obvious that yeah. they had big ass platforms in them and I think she found that it's not that she found the shoes unattractive. She found the fact that I was, I guess, not comfortable with myself. Yeah. Unattractive. And then I think she well, she was quite she was quite honest and brutal and once she sort of just said, like, yeah, I, I didn't see it at the start, but now um I, I was I think like a centimeter shorter than her or something. I yeah. was a bit shorter or it was about the same height, it was very close, and uh, yeah, she she sort of did say like I, I just you are short, and it's and you're sort of and not only then, not only that, like back then I was a lot skinnier, and so I was just like a smaller sort of guy, and she she uh, she was I guess solid uh, if you want to put it that way, but um, yeah, she she's two C's, yeah, she's thick with three C's, um, yeah. so. She, uh, you know, was not attracted sometimes physically and that was Aww. a hard thing to hear. And uh, But uh, I talked to an older friend of mine and he was saying, well, you know, like it's, it's a lot of that is to do with the fact that you brought a lot of attention to it and you yeah. um, sort of made it more obvious than it because, yes. because that insecurity then can manifest in the way you behave. And at the same time, I think people should be comfortable with other people talking about that sort of stuff, especially if it, if it is a romantic partner. And there's a way to say those sorts of things. But anyway, like there's much more, there's much uh, darker reasons where people help uh, for people to not trust the other gender than just being, being short. So we won't focus too, too much on it's that. It's a good point though um, that the more you like it's a I think it's important for people to realize that and it's it's sad but it's true and the more you bring it up that I actually had the same experience when I was like 15 and I kept telling my boyfriend how fat I am all the time like I wouldn't shut up about it and he one day he was like okay what do you want me to say yeah you're fat like fuck okay you're fat and I was like traumatized for like eight years after <laughs> afterwards um like literally traumatized so now in my relationships I'm like I'm so uncurvacious I'm I am bodacious and um 
And that's that's what I that's how I describe my body now, and that's how my my partners have never I've never had a man call me like fat since. Um, but it is interesting, like, and afterwards he said, like, I literally would have never thought that about you until literally you would grab that's your it. stomach or grab fat off your body and tell me to look at it and like <laughs> did you actually do that i was 15 oh. all right i was, okay, I was yeah. a 15 year old girl fair enough um and i was like yeah shit fair point um yeah so the other the partner probably doesn't see what you what you see is as the insecurity or the flaw and the more attention you bring to it, the more then they are going to see it. So. Yeah. And having, owning that about yourself, like, you know, what I see very commonly actually is, um, I'm going to talk about vaginas and vulvas for a second, just to sidetrack here. But we know that there's, you know, some people have innies and some people have outies. Um, and innies are when your labia minora, so the little inside flaps, kind of like fold in nicely and outies are when they're like they come outside of your vulva and you know they have that nickname roast beef flaps which I'm sure everyone now understands what I'm talking about here and I know that um I had a friend and she's so insecure about hers and she always would like talk about it being like this so it's so ugly like i want a cute little anyone like blah 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 um etc and she had she did the same thing that i did where she talked about it with a previous boyfriend and said like how like insecure she is about it and like she was embarrassed and she didn't want him to go down on her or whatever and he was trying to be nice about it and he was like oh like okay i won't <laughs> like didn't say like oh, don't worry, I'm obsessed with it. Um, and um, and sh- sh- it made her feel a lot worse that then he just never did for like three years. He never touched her basically because he was thinking he was protecting her, but she was thinking, I knew it. Like it's that hideous. He doesn't want me. And then he made a comment on it one time and it wasn't like an insult. Like it's, yeah, it's ugly or whatever, but he was like, yeah, you do. Like I actually, he was actually, what he said was I've never seen like an outie looking um, vulva before. And I've only ever seen like innies because it was, you know, we were young and he watched porn and um, it made her feel so insecure. Anyway, after they broke up, she went on this like uh, vulva self-love journey. (laughs) She'd like look at her um, vulva in the mirror and say like, it's fucking sexy and blah, blah, blah. And then with her next boyfriend, now husband, she just went in and <laughs> pretended she was obsessed with it and it was the sexiest thing ever. And guess what? He was he reciprocated that and he thought it was the fucking hottest thing he's ever seen and he loves it. And he talks about it openly, like he's she's got the best pussy he's ever seen. So Well, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like you gotta you gotta do some of that. Yeah, um, change your mindset. As, as and it, it can be out. You, you know. <laughs> some people can hear that sort of thing and, and find it cringeworthy but it works yeah and that's really all that matters that sort of uh, those affirmations and you know repeatedly telling yourself something it does work Mm -hmm. uh it works and if you do it well work very effectively so uh let's come back to trust so that that i suppose just just that covers i guess the the self-fulfilling prophecy um yeah component of this where if you feel a certain way about a certain gender and and then you think they're going to act in a certain way more often than not 
you will manifest that (laughs) through your behavior or you will like subconsciously choose people that may be more likely to act in that way and it's a very confronting thing to realize if, if you've if you've had say especially if you've had more than two partners that have maybe done something that that you've you've the, the same sort of thing whether it is infidelity or or you know said certain comments or you know whatever you know left you because you don't have money or whatever it may be then you uh, look first of all like you got to validate that and say that sucks that's terrible that no one should have to deal with that that's that's very true uh but the world isn't perfect and and you have been dealt that hand now you then i think have to reflect and start thinking about all right what is it about the what was it about those particular people that drew me to them what was i attracted to and then you know do the do the work that we always talk about find your uh, attachment style think about if you maybe had issues with your parents and look i also do think particularly millennials go overboard with the like my parents did this and that's why i'm like this but it is something to definitely reflect on uh and then maybe start to understand what it may be that what characteristics that they may be emulating that may not be sort of directly observable, but you're you're uh, finding attractive, and and then start to question that, and and then don't always just trust that intense feeling of passionate love, right? Because yes. often that can lead us astray, and 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 a really healthy love can sometimes develop over time. And you know, this is a, this is a bit of a tangent here, but I hear so many people who went on nice dates by all accounts, but then one person says, oh, I just wasn't feeling it. And, well, you don't, you're not always, the person who may be good for you in the long term may not be the person that, in fact, it, it I would go out there and say it, it, it might even likely not be the person that is going to give you the most intense romantic feeling on the first date. Now it can yeah. be, so, so don't yeah. just use that as a blanket rule, but... Uh, often that can be, you know, wounds or, you know, sort of weird uh, or, or like sort of undiscovered truths about ourselves playing tricks on our mind and making us fall in love with things that are maybe unhealthy for us and, and sort of repetitive patterns that aren't going to help us. And it may even be the your ego subconsciously wanting to um, solidify that narrative that whatever it may be, all men are, you can't be trusted, all women are, you know, manipulative, materialistic, whatever, Mm. whatever. So it's, it's, it's really important to self-reflect on those sorts of things. Do you? Yeah, it's, you're you're literally spot on the money there. And I wish it was a lesson that everyone could learn to understand. Uh, Firstly, we are always going to be attracted to people that are tumultuous, unfortunately, and um, turbulent. And the ups and downs are like, it's like drugs. And it can be really high and really attractive, especially when we perceive mystery and danger. Um, We're so attracted to that. And then because we're curious beings. And then we once we pursue it, those are the people that end up, you know, often cheating on us or you know, being not great in relationships, etc. Um, but I think a really good point is that self-fulfilling prophecy aspect. And I've spoken about this um, example before, but I had a friend that went through a really like shitty relationship. And then when she got into her current relationship, who she's now married to, um, she, she had been abused in a previous relationship and she had developed the understanding or thought all men are abusive um or dickheads and or manipulative etc so she being a really like 
gentle, really passive person, she started dating this guy, her current husband, and he was really nice to her and she she just wouldn't buy it. And six months later, she still wouldn't buy it. And then what ended up happening was subconsciously, she started becoming an abusive person herself um, in order to get some kind of a reaction. So she would do, and she fully reflects on it, feels a lot of guilt about this now, but she would do like really manipulative um, things to him. He would react and then she'd be like, I fucking knew it. I knew it. Like, you know, you had this reaction, typical. And it's the same with children and trauma, like, you know, working in the foster care system. They will push their carers when we place with the foster carer. They will do really, you know, people think, oh, they'll come in and be so grateful for the home. But what ends up happening is they light the house on fire or, or they kill the family dog or they do something in order to get the same reaction from their foster carers. So that they can, one, feel familiarity and that is safety to them, even when it's not safe. And two, prove to themselves again that adults aren't safe or these people can't be trusted or everyone's angry. So it's something that we continuously bring ourselves into a cycle for. And that's why we see that women that end up dating or even men um, dating abusive people or cheaters subconsciously actually continue to find partners that are abusive or cheaters. And there's a really good episode I talked about on this podcast I listened to called This Is Actually Happening. And it's probably like eight episodes down. And it's a girl basically talking about all of the drama and abuse she's endured in her life. And she had an abusive upbringing And then she went from abusive boyfriend to abusive boyfriend to abusive boyfriend her entire life, just over and over and over again and getting cheated on and abused physically and just thought every single man must be like this because it kept happening to her. But then, you know, once she was in her, I don't know how old, 40s, then she realized that she was looking for traits and people. She was finding traits and people that she found attractive. And that was the traits of, you know, what her parents exhibited when she was a child. Um, and that's how she learned love. Like her, to her, receiving love was that kind of the mending that comes after the abuse, you know, the, the guilt and the regret of being bashed or smacked. And then they make it up to you. And that was to her was what love was when they, tell you how amazing you are, etc. So she kept seeking people with these same personality traits. And it's I see it in guys as well, like um, especially ones that like to date bitchy girls. <laughs> and once you get a taste for it, like the snobby bitchy girls going to a nice girl afterwards can be really unsatisfactory. And they like that chase. They like the like sometimes a dominant aspect. And um, I remember once I was on Tinder and this guy said, I matched with him when we were having chit chat and he's like, just tell me now are you a bitch? And I said, I don't think so. Um, and he Ooh. was like, it's not going to work out. And I said, why? And he goes, because <laughs> I've got mummy issues and I want a bitch who's going to treat me like shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, um, I'm sure someone's <laughs> going to love that about you. Ooh. But yeah, it's just, and, and anyway, I spoke to him for about age, uh, for ages afterwards and I was like, why can't, why shouldn't you use this opportunity to just actually find someone that's going to treat you well? And he was like, eh, so boring. Like I want to feel like I'm on my toes constantly. So he loved that kind of like adrenaline side of it. And I was trying to say to him like, that'll feel good for six months or a year and it's going to wear you down every single time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, it's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Um, <laughs> and uh, you get confused because it's the best feeling in the world. But, yeah. uh, you know, every any little minor thing that uh, affects that uh, idealistic perception of the relationship and the other half can just push you off a cliff and you go from this it's, it's very volatile it's it's you know you, you you absolutely love everything about life and you love that person more than everything any, anything there you're everything and then you just you know you, yeah. you you're just depressed the next day for some minor little thing and and it's it's not fair for them as well because then you come across as this very well you, you can it, it can be very manipulative and and you know to- toxic the the word we love uh so mm. something to to reflect on and it's it's i understand that people cope with it like that by being upfront and, and in a joking way especially on dating profiles I see a lot of girls where like you know someone to fulfill my daddy issues or whatever you know and it's like oh okay <laughs> that's kind of funny but but too ooh. many of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You're just you're just putting it out there, like, hey, I want to, you know, a guy who's manipulative is what I'm going to find attractive. And that's going like, to abandon that me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That guy is looking for a girl who's manipulative. That's going to, yeah. you know, um, abandon me. So, uh it's not something to be, something to be, you know, no one should be shamed for it or anything. But I don't, I don't get it when people are just like that blatant about it. It's it's, it's a bit. It's off-putting. always interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And then they go and people get tempted by it being like, shit, I love it. She's so honest and upfront and just like funny. And then like a few months in, you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like serious issues here. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's super exciting at the start. Yeah. It's usually like the sex is unbelievable yeah. because you're trying to, you know, like win over your, your boxes. Like wrangling a little tiger or, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. But uh, it's not going to last and or if it does, it'll be very unhealthy. And, you know, it's hard to sometimes convince people who are so obviously in that relationship that they're even in that sort of a relationship because they think, oh, no, 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 if they just change, oh, it's fine now or like, you know. Yeah. And I've been in there as well. Like I'll get very defensive when anyone would say, oh, maybe it's a bit unhealthy or maybe that's a bit extreme. Oh, no, 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 no. Like it's, it's the best feeling I've ever felt. So. You are in many ways chasing a high. It's an addiction. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a drug. And, um, you know, the, the, my current girlfriend is, is, is the first girl where I actually sort of just thought with my head a bit more and, and rationally thought, like, what are the qualities? I, I always did that, but I, hadn't, like, pr- I don't think I'd properly sat down and thought about it. Uh, what are the qualities that I think are going to be good for me in a long-term partner? And I looked for that, not for how uh, in love am I on the first or second dates. Yeah. And the love took longer to develop. And, you know, even at the start, it was a bit like, oh, I, did I make the right decision here? But like a, a year in, I can definitely say I made, I made a good decision. <laughs> so Yeah, what's that saying? Um, it's like slowest, the slowest candles burn the longest or something i don't know but the slowest burns i don't know you know what i'm getting at (laughs) well i know the the inverse (laughs) of that which is what is it the a a flame that burns twice as bright burns for half as long and yeah thing for people to justify their bad habits but hey look you know if if flame is you know getting high every every 
every weekend then burn away like go well (laughs) what's really interesting is sometimes these couples that have those kind of up and down relationships where they're subconsciously sabotaging each other in order to get that high again of the like the makeup sex then that bonding and you know there is um a phenomena where when you have been abused whether it be verbally or physically um your body releases hormones that basically it's it's in search for serotonin and and oxytocin so what was really interesting is studies showed that uh, those that have been abused the first thing you look at within seven seconds you actually develop a closer bond to and who are you going to be looking at after you've been smacked in the face within seven seconds probably the person that smacked you so it's this crazy cycle that you actually Ooh. develop a closer bond to them after that happens and then you fall more full of love and then you do something called um like hysterical um hysterical bonding which we always see happens especially after cheating where you someone cheats on you or your relationships at threat or someone flirts with your partner or whatever then you have like this especially with affairs and then you have this crazy sex with your partner again and everything's so good and so passionate and you've re once you've remade your claim it goes down to shit again and then you realize the anger and the hurt you felt and then the guy that cheated on you was like, wait, I thought we made up. Like I thought everything was was good. And that's something that I always try to get people to understand is that when something in your relationship happens and this often frequently also happens when you try to break up with someone, your body is going to yearn for them more. You're going to want to bond and make up again. And a lot of that is going to come sexually as well. So people will back out of breaking up because they've had like this amazing rekindling, but that always dies down after the bond is reestablished again. Uh, yeah. 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 I've been there. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I've done all. that. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But you got to reflect and, and, you know, learn from that. It's it's so hard not to because when either you've been broken up with or you've just broken up with someone and, you know, someone that you almost certainly would still have very strong feelings for and then maybe you see the hurt that you've caused or vice versa and then and then you, you rethink it and then, you you know, yes, you do have that incredibly passionate makeup sort of sex and... Ugh. or like that's when you're the most emotional and you you know test you, you just proclaim your love more than anything yeah. and uh we are human so that th- this sort of stuff is is very natural but it's good to yeah it's good to be aware of it if you do it but also if uh it's being done to you yeah you so, need to be aware of it because yeah. your body keeps you in in this pattern um and your body betrays you unfortunately it's just a natural thing that when you re- when you experience a low your body is going to do whatever it can to rebalance itself and bring itself to baseline. And that's that's often going to be, well, where can I get the quickest serotonin? It's going to be hugging and kissing um, or lovemaking. So, you know, it's, it's important to know that sometimes you actually just have to sit in that pain longer and let your body take longer to return to baseline rather than repeating a continuous cycle for not just with one person but for with your entire life um and some people never break out of that cycle ever which is why they say on average it takes someone seven attempts to leave a physically abusive partner because they 
their mm. body craves them. Um, and it's really hard to make outsiders understand that. It's it's really hard, challenging. It is. It's very frustrating when, you know, if you... It, I was seeing a girl that, you know, was with a, an abusive guy for years and a year into it, she knew about everything. And, you know, wow. it was clearly something that I was still, still dealing with. Um, and, you know, after... A, a couple of months it was then starting to get frustrating that yeah it, it was still such a big thing and you know it was hard to be forgiving when such a horrible ordeal had happened and yeah i do i did know that you know and so rationally i knew like okay you've trauma bonded and all of that but it's mm. it's, it's hard to when when from an outsider's perspective you know just just leave like it's it seems mm. so simple but it's definitely not and um yeah, that uh, didn't end well. Um, if if because we it was very it was always casual, but it it like we said it was casual, but it wasn't kind of thing. I think we it were lying intense. to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd said, uh, oh, you know, we'd said I love you plenty of times, and you know, uh-huh. seeing each other a lot. And then I think it was her birthday or something where I actually I just. That was the first time like I maybe showed signs that it was something a bit more serious. So I just got a, like a, a gift, wrote her a, a note, and suddenly then after that for a couple of days she just didn't communicate, and out of nowhere, just like, "Hey, this has become something that I never wanted," and it was all very strange because to me, it at the start, like I said, we'd said it was casual, but it. You know, I'd been in serious relationships that weren't as serious as that. Yeah. So it felt very serious and, and it was very confusing. And, and, you know, she said the last thing I need is a – the last thing I want is a boyfriend right now. And a couple of weeks later she had initials of someone else in her bio. So, yeah, pretty uh, – Yeah, and that's yeah. an interesting thing that's also quite common is that when people, as soon as it comes to the point of, you know, we're actually about to commit, like probably like three months in where it's like, if we stay together, it's going to be a longer term relationship because things are going really well. And then someone breaks up because they're not, they're afraid of that commitment. And then they go and date someone else. And then two to three to four months in, they break up with them and they repeat that cycle over and over again and they're breaking yeah. their own heart continuously it's a it's very sad and it yeah. and it, there's definitely a lot to say about that kind of self-fulfilling prophecy thing because mm. you know she i i do acknowledge like there was when i she had said those things and then and then i found out that she did have, seeing someone new and it sort of said like the last thing i want is a boyfriend in this i was i was i was angry because i was like yeah, well, you lied. like you that, that was yeah that's not nice. And I sent her a, a firm message in my view. Um, and then she was like, basically, fuck off. Like, this. see, I knew you were like this kind of thing. And I'm like, Aww. well, yeah, like maybe, you know, I, I yeah, maybe I should, probably shouldn't have reacted that emotionally and sent at maybe as firm a message. But again, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, it would be hard. I'm not going to show the message or whatever. But um you yeah. justified in doing that, especially when someone gives you those signals, I'm in love with you. Like you're basically in a relationship with them anyway without that title. And then to say like, I never wanted a boyfriend, but treated you as everything that a boyfriend is, it's really hard. And then to go and get someone else 
and show that commitment publicly with initials in the bio as well. Like it, your frustrations are so valid and it's it's so frustrating when someone's like, I knew you were like that. Like that's that's gaslighting. <laughs> that's very manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gaslighting. That's the... Have you seen that new... There's all these billboards. It's a show yeah, called Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Gotta watch that. <laughs> um, how about we talk about, uh, you know, rekindling trust when it comes to intimacy, maybe if someone, maybe they grew up in a in a household that uh, shamed intimacy, or or uh, they had very uh, horrible experiences. How do you build trust in that situation? Is it just through baby steps and the partner being very sort of forgiving and having to, uh, you know, uh, t- just just move very slowly? Is 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 that the the process how would yeah, you I think go that it's about it it's really important for you as a person that has a difficult you know ex- previous experience to to actually explain that to your partner so that they understand it and like a good um example and you know it, it is a reality tv show but it's a good example of this couple that were dating for like many years and they started off by having really great sex, and then on the show, because this is a it's it's Vanderpump Rules. It's like a, it's there's nine series like over nine years basically of this show, and so you see the couples over the years, and then after like six months to a year, he starts the male starts saying like she stopped having sex with me, she never will, she won't let me touch her, like well, what's going on, and she wouldn't communicate with him what was happening. Long story short, like two years into their relationship, she finally said to him, I actually have a lot of like trauma around what someone, my previous partner, um, like the abuse I endured and what he, especially what he would say about my body. And he would, you know, try to be abusive by saying like, this is disgusting. Like you're filthy, like all these really brutal things. And she said early on in the relationship, I could have all the sex with you in the world because I wasn't so invested in it and I wasn't so like worried about what would happen if you said it but the more they fell in love the more of it like a fear it became again for her so she actually withheld sex and it wasn't until she communicated it to him two years later and they could go on their healing journey again and then they fully recovered their sex life perfectly but like you know from his perspective he was like you could have opened up about this years ago and we could have been avoiding these intimacy issues if I had known um but it's such like intimacy is such a vulnerable extremely sensitive topic that it's hard to open up about especially if you have trauma in this area and you know not everyone is obligated to know if you've been sexually assaulted or if you have sexual trauma I don't think that you're obligated to tell your partner's that story if you're not ready to. But I think that it's important to say like, you know, I have some boundaries, some fears, some worries um, or some setbacks that I need to work on and and I, I need support with. And then as, you know, the partner that of this person, it's it's it can be incredibly frustrating because you take three steps forward, two steps back, and that's going to be the progress consistently it's never going to be linear when it comes to um, issues of this nature and it it requires a lot of patience and and uh, compassion because sometimes when you know where trauma is 
reignited. It's not like her, I'm scared and I don't want, I don't want to have sex right now. It might, you know, her, her initial, his, um, physical reaction would be like to get off me, you fucking this almost abusive to prevent that from progressing. So it's really hard then for that person to be like, how can I be compassionate and go slow with you when I touch you and you freak out and you swear at me and abuse me in return. So it can be um, really hard. So that's why I think that the key is like really, really open uh, communication about what's okay and what's not okay. And sometimes you're going to have to, you know, it's not a sexy conversation and you're going to have to break it down and you can say like, these are the parts of the body that of mine that you can stimulate or touch and I'm comfortable with. And these are the things that I'm not yet okay with. And often it might be a hand near like the neck or um, like a hair grab, or it might be penetration or something like that. And, you know, actually speaking personally, um, you know how I have like an alcohol intolerance um, that's really like severe. And when I drink alcohol, I basically pass out, vomit, get rashes. Like it's a whole thing. And I found that out when I was 14 in New Zealand (laughs) with my family and my brother and I went out and I had like one and a half beers and I was like, I don't remember anything. And my mom at some point was walking down the street with her friends at like eight o'clock and saw me getting dragged into a bathroom by three men. And, And thankfully intervened and nothing happened. Um, and, and later on though, I ran away, still no memory of this, but I have brief memories of a, like a a man or hopefully a guy, like a young guy. I don't know. I was like 14 at the time, but I have memories of a man on the side of the road, um, lying on top of me. And I was too weak and too sick to push him off me. Um, I did speak to someone the next day who was a family friend of mine, a guy my age, and he saw it happen. He was like, you were fully clothed. Nothing happened. You fell on the ground. He got on top of you, tried to kiss you. And I pulled him off straight away. The whole ordeal was like two seconds. Like, thank God nothing happened to me. And yet again, someone intervened for me and basically saved me. Bless him. But, and I never even had a response. I was completely fine afterwards. I was like, oh, cool. Thank you. Like lucky. I don't even remember that. But ever since then for years afterwards, and I still have it, um, to this day, like I can get extremely claustrophobic when someone is lying on top of me and I feel like I'm not going to be able to push them off, even if it was Adrian. Um, like it can just trigger me out of the blue. And I remember once like I was years later, like 10 years had passed and I was 24 with an ex-boyfriend and we were like kissing or like, I don't know, being intimate and he was on top of me. And all of a sudden I had my first ever full-blown panic attack and I couldn't you know, figure out what the fuck was happening. And then it took me a really long time to realize like this stems back to that event for me. And, you know, your body keeps score. Here's a book I'm reading. (laughs) The body keeps score, (laughs) which is literally Mm. about this very thing that when you experience trauma, sometimes you can rationalize it, understand it, get to the bottom of it, but your body is going to remember it and it's going to store that and you can react in ways that you can't predict. And especially if it's of a nature that's of like of sexual nature, and it might not even be a trauma event. It might just be like a, particularly for men, a rejection um, of any kind of sexual nature. Like, you know, when you say like, if a girl says, 
you know, um, you came too quick or you did this wrong or whatever. Sometimes men can literally develop erectile dysfunction from that because then the next time they go and have sex, there's so much pressure on themselves to succeed and fulfill their needs and go above and beyond and maintain an erection. And they're thinking about it so much that they can't um, maintain in that erection. And then even once they leave that relationship, that's still there in their mind and it takes a lot of work to undo it. So it's, it's a really challenging um, and personal mm. thing to communicate. Yeah, that's uh, that's rough. Uh, I struggle with that sort of stuff, and mm. it got to the point where like I'd purposely get drunk so that I'd have an excuse. Yeah, yeah. So then I'd be like, oh, "I'm just drunk, sorry," but like yeah. I'd do that on purpose because it was so uh intimidating and and awkward yeah. to say it if i was sober yeah but uh yeah that's um i guess what helped me was like with all those a lot of my issues it was actually just exposure therapy and sl- very slowly like weaning myself off that and changing my narrative around it but i know that's not for everyone um and well, it just goes to yeah. show that you need like, a, I, for like, for example, what you were just talking about, you need someone that's going to like, when that happens, if a man, let's say, loses his erection during sex, if that happens to me, I'm not even going to be like, oh my God, I wouldn't even comment on it. I'd just be like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> that was good. Or we'll try again yeah. later. Don't worry about it. Like that, your partner's response really is going to um, help progress it further. Definitely. next time or at least relieve that anxiety it's not going to be fixed maybe in one go um it may not be fixed for years but it's taking away that anxiety and just having it as a place of acceptance and seeking alternative ways to feel intimacy and sexual pleasure is such a important um way to kind of overcome those things um bearing in mind that not not everything can be overcome yeah, generally older women, uh, well, when I say older, like from mid-20s and older are like pretty good with that. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, it tends to be, I guess, younger girls that can get offended by it and think that, you know, they're not attractive or they whatever. take it personally, yeah. Yeah. It's very um, common, unfortunately. Yeah, and now with porn, it's even more common and, you know, mm. everyone has anxiety, which definitely uh, hinders that. Yeah. Um, mm. So it's a, uh, it's definitely something a lot of a lot of men are dealing with. Um, yeah, but it's something you can overcome, and a lot of it is mental. In most situations, it's mental, and um, cutting out porn is a very big one. Um, and being, you know, finding a partner that is going to be a bit more understanding of, and at, at the same, you can also be in a situation where you you want to have sex, you're kind of horny and, and then you, you start foreplay, but then it's not happening for whatever reason and then you're like, oh, I don't want to anymore. And yeah. then, you know, that's also valid. Like, that, you, yeah. you know, it's got to be respected. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's just the way it is. We can't, I think it's really important that we can't put apply our own egos to someone else's situation. So being the partner is someone that, occasionally might lose it or not want it like we how often have i seen especially particularly women 
say, and it's actually saw a video trend on this on TikTok the other day, which I thought it's funny, but true and not good that it's true where um, girls are making jokes saying like, I said no to sex because I didn't feel like it. And then he said, yeah, neither. And then it like pans them like going dead face being like, what do you mean? You're not feeling like sex, even though they had just said, I don't feel like sex. And there is this lot of like stereotype and expectation about men and their sexuality and that they're always going to be available, ready, erect, (laughs) um, sustaining and um, with good endurance. And, you know, there's a lot more pressure, (laughs) I feel, on on men in sexuality than there is, you know, often on women. On women, it's a different type of pressure. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a really like sad thing that we need to be more compassionate about and take our egos. Like if someone doesn't want it or someone, something happens during your sexual experience, like they lose it or whatever, or a girl says, I'm not into it anymore. Like take your ego out of it and just say, okay, like, do you want to talk about it? Is everything cool? Everything's good. All right, cool. Let's, let's get pizza or something, you know? Um, Or do you want to try something else? Or like, you know, sometimes people will say like, look, it's not going to happen for me, but I could do this for you. And then they're like, no, no, that's weird. Like it's uh, people are still putting in that, in those bids for intimacy and that we should accept that if if we're willing. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. If you're willing, obviously if you're willing, but like it's, it'll actually, it might be weird, but it'll make the guy feel a lot better because then he'll still be like, oh, I was able to please you. So that's good. Um, and then, you know, with, it's women can also experience, uh, you know, not not getting wet, and yeah. that's not a reflection on the guy either. That's uh, yes. I mean, look, it could be a it, look, if it is a technique thing, then that's something to communicate kindly. But uh, you know, m- more often than not, it, it it it's not. It's just it can be her, she's also overthinking it, or uh, yes, and lo- self lubrication for women isn't necessarily linked to arousal it's, too, it's, yeah yeah it's usually linked to the stimulation aspect so like even if you were if you put a tampon in a few times in a row you're going to get wet even though you have no like horniness or anything like that it's just what happens or if you get a medical exam sometimes you're going to get wet even though you have literally no not at all turned on not even one percent it's just because that's the way the body responds and when you get penetrated you naturally get wet in order to lubricate that but some women can't lubricate and some women it's it's almost entirely dependent on your hormones as well so certain times during the month women can't lubricate or barely lubricate um sometimes yeah based on mood the stimulation pregnancy as well changes all of that so it's you gotta like, yeah, it's exactly the same for men. Um, same thing, different genital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming back to some of the people who uh, are dealing with trust issues, uh, what I found is it, it, it almost defies what you would logically think, right? Because if you're sort of scared of intimacy, what often can happen is you engage in a lot of casual sexual activity because that way you can still, you know, obtain your. Uh, what I think are just human needs, which is physical intimacy, but you don't have to be vulnerable emotionally because you know that's a very scary prospect for whatever yeah. may have happened or for whatever you know stereotypes you may have. And uh, 
that can be where, you know, two, particularly now the two people meet on Tinder, have a great night, and then they're like, oh, we'll do it again. It was fun. But then they're, they're purposely trying to hold down the feelings because they're scared of it. And it's just so common. It's so mm-hmm. common now with that sort of a style of relationship. And then eventually they decide, all right, we'll try this. And it ends up in a very, they're both yeah. either anxious or avoidant or whatever it may be. Um, and I've been in situations like that as well, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not healthy at all. And, uh, casual sex is, can be a lot of fun. Um, it's not for everyone, you know, it's not just cause it definitely feels like culturally you have to do it. And especially if you're a man, you know, you have to be able to go out and, and, you know, pick up a beautiful girl and, and, and sleep with her that night and, Look, it is a lot of fun, but there's no long-term benefit there. There's no, you're not really learning anything. You're not sort of uh, gaining any sort of long-term wisdom. I mean, it, as a skill, yeah, I guess you can develop your uh, your charisma and your confidence and even your like s- sexual technique, something like that. But um, ultimately, uh, yeah, casual sex isn't for everyone. And, and I do think, d- depending on what, now we live in a very... Uh, pluralistic society sure but like for the most part there there is a lot of pressure especially for men to you know go out and get chicks and and get laid and and part of it is biological we are wired a certain way to you know just spread our seed uh but uh you know you don't have to do that like you you don't just because all your friends are or just because you think that's something that is going to give you a lot of confidence um it's it's like with everything we've said it's 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 the way you frame it it's a narrative it's uh it's the way you perceive something like that and uh it's definitely not for everyone very true exactly and i think that also just just to wrap up on on trust one thing i i didn't um we didn't touch on that much was building trust after you've been cheated on with your partner um and it's something in my early days, I actually, which I, I guess I still do personally have, like, I don't have a tolerance for that. If it were to happen in my relationship, I would probably end it. Uh, but I used to have, like, you know, a perception that it is the utmost, like, be all, end all. Um, you should die because of it. <laughs> Not really, but you know what I mean? Like, that level of anger. But my perception has changed so much on that. And if you have been cheated on, um, and you are actually going to stay in that relationship, I highly recommend you listen to Esther Perel's podcast, Where Should We Begin? Season one and two, where she basically has couples therapy sessions recorded. Um, and 90% of the cases are those that have chosen to stay in a relationship after being cheated on. Um, And the way that she frames cheating is such an interesting perspective where basically, and as you guys know, Neil and I love Esperel. She's like a relationship guru. Um, And she, her perception is that, you know, your relationship has been, you know, you've been together for eight years and it's been an almost entirely successful relationship. And and 1% of that relationship had, you know, there's a really serious trauma here, but it's not reflective of your entire relationship. It's it's one human error and that humans do make mistakes. And she believes that couples can 
overcome um, betrayals and things like that. If they're both invested, they're both um, understanding, they're both willing to be loyal going forward, etc. Um, so I think it's it's really interesting to to hold that personally. I couldn't do it, but I would never blame someone that decides to stay in a relationship after that's happened, especially in these many of these cases that happen once. Uh, in a 12-year period or something. Um, But it's really helpful to frame it to those people that have experienced that. So I definitely recommend listening to that. I agree with her in that situation. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think a relationship should be judged on just the the day-to-day feeling and just the day-to-day behaviors of of how successful it is and not on big grand gestures like uh, how amazing the wedding is or how amazing you know, the, these unique nights are. Um, and if you are in that situation, look, I think it's something like 50% of marriages experience some form of infidelity. Um, mm. It's not, I, 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 you know, yeah, I, I, I understand what it, what it feels like to, to be betrayed like that. Um, and often you do, you do have to look at it holistically. Like what, was there a lack of communication? Was there... Mm unpack it like why did they do it uh was there something lacking and then that's not to say that it's someone else's fault or anything like that but uh, little tweaks can can you know help with that sort of thing um yeah like eliza said we are we are human and yeah i i when i was younger i thought it was just like how could anyone do that how could anyone cheat but uh now I think I would be more forgiving if something were to happening were to happen, particularly if it was a one-off instance. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. Like you, you're gonna hate yeah. that person for for probably months at least. But if if you're still invested in the relationship and it is otherwise still a healthy, good relationship, there's no shame that you're not you know you're not a you're not a weak person or anything like that. If you decide to um, persevere through that at all. Yeah, exactly. Well said. And like like you were saying before, one of the tactics that she uses and what I really like about this podcast and her therapy sessions is that she gives an equal platform to both the people. So it's not just about listening to that that got cheated on and helping him or her understand like, look how much you hurt your partner. But it's also about helping the partner that was cheated on understand why it happened, what led to that. And what's what's interesting in some cases is that both of them were bringing equal hurt to the relationship, like say he cheated on her physically, but she may have been actually being emotionally abusive for a year prior. Um, yet only one of them was perceived as, as the betrayal. Um, so it's really interesting perspective as well to put onto those things and and consider and also understand, well, this is why he did that. And, and can, can we trust him to move forward? Because if you've committed to staying with him and it's been, you know, you've been working through this for the last, six to 12 months like we can't you know you don't have the right actually to punish this person for years after years after years because of that mistake um you either commit to working on it and and getting through it or you break up (laughs) yeah don't yeah don't don't sort of i think people can give a bit of leeway particularly in the sort of short to medium term after yeah uh, uh infidelity but you know if multiple years in you're still I guess punishing them for it, then that that that's not good. That's yeah. probably something to look at. Uh, I like that a lot because I like that strategy she has because mm-hmm. almost, at least in my personal experience, my anecdotal experience with, with friends or you know 
any relationship I have had that maybe have had a sort of misstep or whatever it may be, because mm. um, there's often been very complicated relationships structured. So yeah, you want to call it cheating or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it is. You've broken the rules, but um, very rarely is someone like yo I just cheated because I wanted to. Like that's that's yeah. I've never heard that. Um, I'm sure it exists, but yeah. it's almost always well. For for months you haven't been meeting this need, or for you know for weeks you've been ignoring me, or like this person gave me this thing that I was just so desperately wanting from you. And then a lot of people say, well, why didn't you just break up with that person? But it can be, it can be more complicated than that. Uh, it can be there can be like a very tumultuous hard time in the relationship, and then maybe alcohol is involved, which again it's never an excuse, but the feeling you can be swept away in certain feelings and um you. you, you you feel something that you haven't felt for years. Maybe you felt with that person at the start of the relationship. I, I saw a little scene that was on TikTok as well. I should stop using citing TikTok as like the, <laughs> you know, the, the authority on this. But um, it was a, it was a clearly like a man had just admitted to cheating to his wife and she's so angry and hurt. And why did you, was she hotter than me? Was she this than me? Was she that? Did she look like this? Does she... And he was like, no, 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 none of that, none of that. She pretty much looks the same. And it was like she's, she was softer than you. Like she didn't yell at me every time I left the yeah. bin open. She didn't make me feel like I was just, just this insignificant little child basically. And it was funny. A lot of the comments were uh, probably sort of mixed gender sort of saying like, oh, when he said it, like I, I don't know who to actually, whose side yeah. to be on in that situation. Yeah. So. These situations can be more complicated uh, mm. than than people realize. Not to say that it's, you know, p- p- people shouldn't be held accountable for that sort of a thing, um, but it's often there's often a bigger picture at play. There's a there's a full story that needs to be heard. So, yeah, uh, if you if you choose to if if that's an absolute no go zone, that's perfectly fine. But then if if it is something to work through and think that you can be forgiving in that situation and and still rebuild a relationship that's perfectly fine too i don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it and i don't think you know when people say oh that person has low self-esteem if they stuck with someone i, I yeah. don't think no that's not true it's never helpful um, yeah, yeah. Well all said. right well uh any other any other issues of trust we can we can touch on before we wrap this one up I mean, there's like probably millions, but it's true. It's such an in-depth discussion, so I think we'll, we'll leave it on that. Leave it on that note. Let people contemplate yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big one was uh, the self-fulfilling prophecy. So, yeah. Yeah. Reflect, reflect on that one. Yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, slash podcast Send in a question, a topic, a shout out. Um, all the money goes to charity comedyuntamed.com come see me live it, well me and, and a, a lot of other very talented comedians and crushorganics.com use the code neil subscribe to this podcast it's on spotify apple podcasts subscribe to my youtube channel follow Eliza on instagram follows the sex sells instagram and the sex sells tiktok that one's going really well so get on tiktok and uh, sex sells podcast is the username so go follow both of those Thank you again for listening and we will see you next time. See you next week.